Welcome to Your Daily Chocolate, where you'll continue to get funny stories, clean jokes, and interviews with inspiring people. You made this podcast one of the top 25% most shared podcasts globally and top 25% most followed. Nice to know that good news is appreciated and Patty's committed to delivering the antidote to all that negativity. Like chocolate, this podcast is meant to make you feel good and it's good for you. Enjoy. A lot of my guests have maybe a tough childhood, rough start, and then overcome obstacles to achieve incredible accomplishments. And my guest today is a prime example of that. Uh, Michael Stein was basically broke and nearly homeless when he started a company that is now the leading supplier of TARPS, T-A-R-P-S, TARPS, in the United States and has made over $100 million. He is also an actor, writer, director, producer, comedian, and now has a podcast of his own called Long Shot Leaders. And he's getting ready to launch another company. He'll talk a little bit about that today. So you're going to want to hear that. He is one of those folks that if he puts his mind to it, he's going to make it happen. And I hope he inspires you. Michael, welcome to your daily chocolate. Excited to have you here and talk about your background, how incredible and diverse it is. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So let's start with the fact that you started a company with nothing and nothing. I think you had, what, 30 bucks in the bank? And that company is now a $100 million company. What, well, it's what? made over $100 million since I started it. Yeah, well, It's made okay. well over $100 million, But yeah, I was in debt. I was in debt. I was broken in debt. I was a struggling actor, filmmaker. And I, I wanted to make uh, my own feature film because I made a short film, my last one at that time. It did really well, but the studios weren't handing over any movie deals for the, my other scripts. And I said, screw it. I'm going to make my, because I was close to getting a, a movie deal. We were going through like, like what is called development hell. Oh, yeah. so I said, and I said, no, nah, I'm going to, I'm going to become an entrepreneur again. Cause I was an entrepreneur when I first, when I was like 18 to like 23, I decided to be an actor and a filmmaker. And I was a successful entrepreneur as a nightclub promoter in Los Angeles. So I said, I'm going to be an entrepreneur again. I went to, I started this business that I have today. And within six months I made a uh, half a million dollars. And, and I made uh, a film called Love Hollywood Style with Faye Dunaway, Andy Dick, Coolio, many other actors that you've seen. And almost, it was independent. And I almost bottomed out my business that I started. And I said, I'm going to take care of this business because it really look, it's, it looks like it's going to take care of me. So ever since then, it's made well over $100 million. And uh, we were talking in the pregame and I'm starting another company on top of that called Bolator, which is hopefully will define the outdoor industry as well. All right, we'll talk about that later. But this first company that you started, it's basically TARPS, right? Yes, tarpsplus.com. I just started it. Why TARPS? Why? Yeah. My dad, who never finished the eighth grade, he had a he had many businesses, but in the late 60s, he had a tool business. And he had a partner. And this tool business didn't do, do so well. My dad went off to sell calculators. He sold tons of these calculators. And then when that business failed, he went back to selling tools in 1975. And this guy, his old partner, his name was Alan Smith. And Alan Smith owned Harbor Freight. Oh. Yeah. And I saw this rich, company. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> multi-billion dollar company. And I saw this rich dad, poor dad thing go on. And by the time I said, I'm going to be an entrepreneur, my dad, he was selling tools again. He's like, here's a catalog from Harbor Freight. Smitty. 
Alan Smith. He's like, Smitty has a bunch of products in there. Why don't you look through this? But here's some suppliers. Why don't we look through this and see what you, what do you like? And I, I was like, I really like tarps. I always heard on the internet at that time in 2000, 1999, that you could, this one guy has made, just sold ceiling fans and he made $300,000. And, and I was like, I like these products because you could be used for camping or hunting or fishing or survival or, or just the homeless always need them. And I used to donate to the homeless with canned food when I was a nightclub promoter. And I set up this idea. So that's how it came about. And so did you source it from somewhere or did you come up with a new version of a tarp? Or? No, it's only, it's, when you have no money, you, yeah. just buy it, you buy it from the middleman that's getting it from the factory. So uh, there were a couple of suppliers in Los Angeles and I made my first sale. I, first, I built a website for months. Yahoo websites back then would give you like five months for free or something yeah. like that. Two months, three months for free. So I was a, still a production assistant. I would work as a production assistant on long film shoots and I'd come home late at night and build this website. And then I finally was able to open it and I had one sale. I drove my convertible Buick Skylark down to the supplier and bought that one product and then shipped it out for that sale. And then there'd be two sales and three sales. And after a couple months, I somebody called me up from New Jersey now in Sherman Oaks, California. And he's like, I need $17,500 worth of tarps. I was like, all the money in the world for me at that time. Yeah. And he says, I need it in 72 hours. I said, no problem. We'll get it for you. And picked up one of my rental trucks from the movie rental and picked up those tarps from one of the suppliers. And I went from Sherman Oaks, California, didn't sleep with me in another PA. And we delivered those tarps in uh, New York 72 hours later. Wow. That kind of helped me hopscotch to making little milestones like that. And I thought, oh, that's such a big sale. I don't know if I ever make that sale again. And and one day there was a hurricane in Florida, like after like three hurricanes, Hurricane Charlie, Hurricane this, Hurricane that, after like three weeks in a row. And then the state of Florida said, we need a million dollars worth of tarps. I said, no problem. So then I bought everybody out, out of the uh, the whole supply out of like the, not just in Los Angeles, but like around the country, there's other jobbers that were importing. So I bought them out and I sold that to the state of Florida. And the next year when Katrina came around, they started calling me Hurricane Mike. Yeah. Oh, serious? Yeah. So I, you know, I always wanted to be my dad. He was called the calculator kid. Cause he sold so many calculators. And then the next year they called me hurricane Mike. I said, you know, you know, I wanted to be an actor. I was like, and I was like, oh, that's silly. But I, I said, you know what? You always said you wanted to be the calculated kid. So that's hurricane Michael do. And that's how that business grew. And I just built it up, chipping away day to day. And, and I always wanted to brand a product yeah. since you brought that up. But all these years I've been designing the product that we're coming out now with Bolator and these things take time. So did Bolator come out of the tarps? Yeah, that was, that's the impetus. I was in Trilingua, Texas, which for those that don't know where that's like in West Texas out in the middle of like Mars, it looks like Mars. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking if you were like stranded and you didn't have any water, you didn't have this, how would you survive? Why would you want to sit on the ground where there's snakes or this? So I thought well, it would be great if you could make a tarp that was also a hammock that also like a drain tarp that can collect water. Yeah. And then if you couldn't hang up, if there was no trees, pop-up tent, maybe hook up the tarp on the pop-up tent. So we built all that infrastructure. So we have the bolo packs that are, that just do that, which also plugs into a cooler or a different type of backpack, but the cooler can keep your drinks cool for like three days. And uh, we've been designing all these products with apparel and drinkware and, and ancillary products and accessories that go along with this whole line. Oh my gosh. Well, we'll definitely put a link to that in our show notes. <laughs> does, does Bolotar mean something? Yeah. It's an acronym for be on the lookout and tour means from a high peak. So be on the lookout from a high peak. I love it. Oh, that's cool. All right. So in your heart of hearts, you are an actor, director, writer. 
I think most, mostly, yeah, I was one of my, I, my, I wasn't a good student. I had like a, a lot of health issues and I had the ADHD and focusing issue. And my high school tutor, she's like, so what do you want to want to do now that you're going to graduate? I said, well, I'm not going to go to college. I said, I want to, the day after I start, I graduated high school, I started a, a business that failed. But, you know, I, I said, I want to be an actor, a filmmaker and it's- an entrepreneur and a stand-up comedian. And she's like, well, not everybody's meant to do what they want to do. Why don't you <laughs> work with your hands? I said, my dad never finished eighth grade. And he, uh, he was a multimillionaire. Granted, he lost it all and he's living in a van somewhere, but you know, he did it. So I said, okay. So I started that business and uh, it failed miserably after like two weeks. And, uh, and then six months later, I became a nightclub promoter because I did stand up for the first time. I brought a lot of people there. And then I said, oh, if I could bring a lot of people here, I mean, well, nightclubs are really big in LA. Yeah. I could bring them dance clubs. And within six months, I became the number one dance club promoter in my age bracket. And uh, that opened up the doors for me to become an actor and a filmmaker and meet a lot of people and playing my first acting roles, Dirt Diggler and the Dirt Diggler story, which became the movie Boogie Nights, which I appear in as well. Yeah. Yeah. Being around a lot of people and then promoting the movie parties for like Batman and Blue Owner Brothers and a bunch of other films. And and uh, it, that was a one, it, one thing led to another as far as nightclubs were concerned and all that. Are you still doing that? But acting, no. directing, any of that? No, I'm taking pause. I just did some stand up about a month ago, but Bolator, the launch of that, when you run a company, yeah. touchless.com, I might be able to do stand up here and there. But with Bolator, it's going to be such a monumental launch and these products that we've been planning for so long, it's going to require all my attention. But the good thing is that I get to be an actor in my own commercial and we're shooting stuff right now. All right. So, yeah, it's fun too because we're doing a lot of movie parodies. So I'm able to like be like, uh, we're doing a play on like Clint Eastwood and like the Outlaw Josie Wales where we have a lot of parody film that we're doing. It's, it's really good. It's fun. Like each commercial is a different parody? Or are you blending exactly, them all together? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Each commercial, like we have a new one. We just did a one on Telegator Nights. Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah. And uh, we got twins and, and it's all has to do with, it's like a commercial. Basically, the most important thing is because you don't sell the product anymore; you sell lifestyle. So, right, you know, the we're that's part of our brand is basically just selling the lifestyle. But and it is a lot of these parody commercials are, are is what I get to do now. So at least I get to have that outlet exercise a little bit there. Oh, that's fun! All right, so you alluded to the fact that you grew up in a dysfunctional family. Your dad lost it all. You had ADHD. You had health issues. Somewhere, and then you have a teacher that says, "Yeah, that's not going to work. Find right. something, some find something real to do." What advice do you have for somebody either just coming out of high school or maybe transitioning at age thirty to something else to make themselves a success when you don't have people that are really modeling that for you? Well, first thing I would do is get involved in personal development. What's uh, that mean? Well, I would find somebody that is specializes in personal development, like Tony Robbins, which I have like a heavy background in, Wayne Dyer, or learn psychology and learn about the exercise of mindset. And that that's a whole journey unto itself, but that'll help you. That diet will help you get the other things that you want and, and help you navigate with your relationships, your business and yourself and everything else that, that falls into. So understanding why people do what you do, why, why, why they do what they do, why you do what you do. That'll help you with business a lot. So that's where the first thing I would go back and say, study this more stringently as soon as possible, as much as you can. And clearly know yourself and what your limitations are and what your opportunities are. 
Right, right. I would know yourself because there's so much waste as a young person. And then also exercise critical thinking along with personal development will come critical thinking. So when you start a business, you you have to assess. The first thing I would do if I had to start a business today, and if I had to go back in time and talk to myself, I'd say, look, (laughs) they didn't have Excel spreadsheets when I was starting a business, but I'd say, look, take a line down a piece of paper or today I would tell, get an Excel spreadsheet. I know it doesn't sound attractive to do an Excel (laughs) spreadsheet, but put those things down there. Now purge the things that you want to do purge your ideas down, write them down there. Say, what is your business? What's your proposed business? Look at the competition. Look at what the possibilities are. And then start to strategize your plan about all the wants and needs and the who, what, where, why, when, and how. Get scope of the situation. I would start to really get heavily involved in that with the person I'd be talking to. And then once they have a, a great understanding of scope, because whatever journey you decide to go on, every that paradigm shift, you might really cause a whole path that might not be the best path for you to go on. Right. So you really want to make sure that's going to be lucrative and rewarding and make you feel good every day and have other things that are going to have compounded benefits to it. That would be the first start. So were you listening to a Tony Robbins or a Wayne Dyer when you were 18? Or did that come later? So yeah, so I was 23. I was always into like psychology before that. I was 23 and I was, <laughs> I was in love with this girl and we broke up. We went out for like a year and a half and I was still in love with her. And she was great. She called me up about like eight months later and she's like, I heard this and that because I was going through a slump. My clubs weren't doing so well. And I was going to, I was, I don't know what I want to do because I really want to be an actor and a filmmaker. She goes, she's like, you're not living to your full, full potential. I know you could do better. It's like, and her dad was friends, like best friends of Tony Robbins. She said, you should do Tony Robbins. I'm like that guy with big teeth on the infomercials, <laughs> that 30 day tapes that he wants you to listen to. I'm like, uh-huh. I'll do anything that you may tell me to do because I will, I still love you. <laughs> oh. So I'll buy that stuff. So I bought it just really because I was still in love with her. And I thought, well, it's still good. And I could talk to her afterwards. And then I, I just was hooked. I did this 30 day program like over and over and over again. I planned a big event, a nightclub event where I, I wrote, I directed a documentary around the history of LA clubs and everybody that oh, was yeah. ever big in clubs. And we premiered it there. I had like 4,000 people. And I thought, well, it's just going to be a trajectory of success. And then wasn't, you get some hills and valleys, but then eventually the trajectory was success after that. Well, the volatility, because I'm a pretty wild person, personality and you're still young, but you know, I was able to really find a lot of success through personal development. And that's how my, when I first made, I made a million dollars one day off of that hurricane with Florida. And the first thing I did is I didn't buy a car or anything. I said, I'm going to call up Tony Robbins company and I want to get a private coach. So I called, really? up, yeah, I called up that coach. Cause I'm like, that's what I want to spend my money on. Cause listen to those. I listened to every, every tape and everything he did at this time. So I called up there and they said, well, what seminars have you been to? And I'm like, I haven't been to any, but I've heard, I've listened to everything that he's done. What do I need to go to seminar for? He goes, no, you don't understand. He's like, Right, right now through the content that you've probably done, you have like intellectual knowledge, but you don't have physical knowledge because Tony will take you through these exercises, the Dickens patterns, and he does all this stuff that really you go through and really works it in your nervous system. And it's hard to describe what I'm talking about unless you've been there. Right. And I was like, okay. And then I went to the seminar. <laughs> I just took, I, I went, it was called Unleash the Power Within. This is when he was, this is like a long time ago. Yeah. And I just took my daughter to Unleash the Power Within where Tony was there like three, two months ago. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah. And, I, and I'm not just saying that personal development works, but I will tell you that she gotten, I've been talking about personal development, sexy minute psychology and the triad of emotions and all this stuff with my daughter since she was born. I have two yeah. daughters 
Yeah. And, but she's the oldest one. And I, she just last night, as we, I just found out she got accepted to McCombs business school at UT and uh, which is really the fifth in the nation. So personal development works, but I never went to college. I never, <laughs> but I wanted to be an entrepreneur the day I graduated, but personal development works. People do yeah. per, try, find your own niche, find whatever works for you as far as personal development, but do it. Wow. That's, that's incredible. And such a long relationship with Tony without really having a relationship with him. But he's yeah, I met been, him a couple times, a part but of, I never, yeah. yeah. I, I told him, I said, we've you. been best friends for a long time. He goes, yeah. oh, really? <laughs> said, oh, yeah. Yeah. I love it. So you're now what you call a, a long shot leader, somebody who's an underdog, but makes it, right? And now you've got this podcast and you're interviewing other long shot leaders. In all of those interviews that you've been doing, what common denominators are you seeing? What traits that are enabling folks to go from that underdog to wow? Talk about the algorithm of success, like constantly on the, on the podcast, because that's all I'm trying to do. Like a shark, just trying to find the algorithm, what really, and the commonality, there's several things. But the first thing is that people invest in themselves and really it's all mindset. And what is that? What really the common, the specific commonalities that they have is that they've associated massive pleasure towards growing themselves and their whatever quest that they have and massive pain towards not putting action and then believing that it's attainable to get the result that they want. Because once they add leverage to themselves, then they get a taste of success And then they say, well, I can keep on going. Right. It's a healthy drug. And that's like the stepping, the first stepping stone. Then we get into specific processes of how to maximize the performance of, let's say, a business person. How do they go from, they've learned how to go 15 miles per hour, how to go from 15 to like 85 miles per hour and then beyond that. And that is a process I call PAL. And what I've learned, and it's like an acronym I created, and it's nifty, processes, automations, and leveraging. Now, they learn on how to, once that first part was done where they have leverage and everything, they realize they could do it. And the want is there. You can't yeah. do this without the want and the drive the mindset. PAL is something I realized that's what a lot of these people do when they have a, they find a way for whatever quest they're on to create a, a significant process. and then. They try to automate that process because we all have 24 hours in a day. So then they automate that process and whatever they can't automate, they're really good at leveraging often either paying for somebody or getting for free or getting a, to leverage that. So finding other resources. That's yes. Okay. In order to leverage those, those processes. Okay. So you, you create the best process you can because you cut out the fat, you create a great process for whatever you're trying to strive for. And that's an important step. That's the first step because you create a bad process and you're, it's going to be like you're bleeding. Right. So, so creating a great process, really strategizing and thinking about that. Okay. I got the best process. How can I automate these steps to the process? Then whatever I can't automate, you funnel through into now I'm going to leverage whatever wasn't automated. Then you leverage that. Then you say, well, I can't create an automation or a leveraging. Then it's on you. And that's where you go through multitasking performance. And that is, so it's PAL plus net and net time is basically, oh, I got to, you're really good at like, for example, I need to work out 
I need to spend more time with my daughter and I got to watch a documentary on something that's going to help me with my business. Well, why don't I go into, go to the gym? If I have a gym at the house, whatever, if not everybody has a gym, we've got a gym in your garage, we're <laughs> probably getting whatever you're going to go and walk. But in this case, I would say, okay, I'm going to work out with my daughter in the gym and we're going to watch a documentary together. That's three things I was able to do at once. Oh. So pal plus net. And that's how a lot of these people and long shot leaders and what I've come to learn and exercise is those processes among many other things, but mindset is really important. And that's why personal development is the first step, even before you start leveraging yourself and doing those other things, understanding the who, what, where, why, when, and how of what you do, and why other people do it. That's why I say personal development is so important. Yeah. Good points. And you actually have something called the top 10 point recipe. What is that? It's been a while since I've exercised that. Yeah. Yeah. So when I talked about a little bit of it here, but we'll get into that. So step number one is everybody's got a quest. Somebody listening is like, well, I, you know, I have a particular thing that I want to do. All right. The first thing is to get scope, get scope of the situation. Now you're going to ask the who, what, where, why, when, and how, but the difference I like to do is in Toyota has the five whys. When Toyota, yes, Deming's taught Toyota, like all the strategies and how to do what they do. And she taught, Japan after World War II, efficiency and all that. They discovered that Toyota's one of the reasons why they make such great cars is because like, if there's a problem, they're like, why did that happen? Why did that happen? Mm-hmm. Why did that happen? They asked five times. So really to get scope and for your situation, you ask yourself the who, what, where, why, when, and how five times for each. And after that process, this doesn't have to be difficult, but after that process, you're going to like, I have a great understanding of what I need, where I want to go and how this is going to work. Because you don't want to start anything until you understand that. That's step number one. Step number two is taking immediate action. You need to take immediate action on, it's a Tony Robbins thing, really, he'll talk about that mm-hmm. nauseum. But whether it's symbolic, but it gets you in inertia in the right direction. So you want to be able to, let's say, if it's a thing goal, I want to win a Mercedes. Well, go out and get a brochure. Right. Because your brain will try to avoid cognitive dissidence to, you know, say, look, I've already done that. I'm, this is, I'm, also start to f- use the triad of emotions to get you in the right direction. I guess that's number three. It's been a while since I regurgitated all these. Right. So, but we um, don't have to go through all 10, but. All right. I'll just finish yeah. up with the triad of emotions, which really operates everything. And, and what it, that is, the focus, the, your physiology and, and your words are so important. You can create a recipe for success or disaster. And it all depends on the triad of your emotions. Or that's a, one of the bigger components of it. So if your internal and external dialogue is negative or positive or leading you in a certain direction that you want to go in, that's be cognitive of using what, where you want to go with that dialogue, focusing, looking at the things that where you want to go. Right. And that will dictate. And then your physiology, you have a thousand muscles in your face or the close thereof and your body, make sure that the, the the success that you want to be in or whatever it's going to take for you to have that state that you want to be in for success, make sure that your muscles and your facial expressions and everything is irreverently maybe forced in that direction until it becomes real. And these things permeate into inertia and action. Oh my gosh. Huh. You've got a recipe for everything. I love it. Uh, for success, for entrepreneurship, for it's like working out basically. <laughs> now it's yeah. like if somebody hears this and I first heard it, I was like, what? You know, I'm like, oh, that worked a little bit, but you know, it's conditioning and a great acting teacher, Eric Morris, who's on my podcast, old friend of mine, 93 years old now, still like 
Wow. He's great. Oh my God. He's so sharp. Friends with Nicholson. He wrote his plea phrase for his book. No acting, please. He, there's a couple of things he says. It's really interesting, but he talked, well, preparation, 95% of success is preparation. But the other thing he talks about, he's, he's a sense memory expert, like Lee Strasberg, one of the great oh. acting teachers. And he would exercise sense memory to where you visualize, you would actually visualize holding a cup of coffee. And actors have, that have studied this and do this exercise for years actually can actually have their sensory to where they're almost feel like they're truly burning. Like really? burning for, yes. It is amazing what, when your focus, your physiology and the inner and outer dialogue takes over and you exercise this muscle. Yeah. Well, think about you, if you could do that with, with success or yeah. if you need to be an actor and you need to have a certain sadness and your father died monologue, you have to call upon those genuine emotions. And granted, if you're a Stella Adler student, then you're not going to want to do that because she's more into recreation. But oh. sense memory, <laughs> I'm getting a little heady here, but sense memory is an amazing thing that it can help uh, an entrepreneur as well. That's amazing. Well, I will put for sure links to all of your contacts for your podcast, for your Bulletor, your website, you name it, in our show notes so people can find you. But before I let you go, Michael, I always end with some rapid fire questions. So are you ready? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So on your podcast, who has been the most inspiring guest so far? Well, it's it's always Ben Lesser. He's, I think he's 94 now. <laughs> Old people. I have young people on my podcast also, but he was a Holocaust survivor. And uh, the stories that he told me were so impactful. And me being a Jewish guy, hearing those stories, my grandmother escaped the Russian concentration camps on her way to America. So hearing that, all that stuff, it was really touching. So that yeah. was really, but there's been a lot of people. Robert Greene, who wrote 48 Laws of Power, which is a book that I've read on and off throughout the years. And he was on the show and that was so impacting. And, and he talked to my daughter at the end of the show. She walked down the room and, and uh, kissed her with his knowledge a little bit. And that was, that was a memorable one, but there's been a oh, lot yeah. of memorable ones. And I, Really enjoy. I, I love people. I love talking to you today. I'm not used to talking this much. I, I love to listen and absorb, but I, there's no shyness there for me to talk about myself. But I loved really doing the, these podcasts because they didn't have this stuff in the 80s and 90s. And right. And I, yeah. This is all um, new. Yeah. We can connect yeah. having never met before. Yeah. And the clip, if you really are open to it and you think about the knowledge you can learn different. It's just not like looking on the internet. You're actually talking to somebody and you have a question and a nuance and you can ask that in real time, you're getting your synapses to fulfilled that way. It's so valuable. So I, those two guys really stand out, but there's so many more and I'm like invasions of the body snatchers when it comes to the podcast, because I get to be the Terminator where he like collects all those people in the molten lava. So if you were to open my mind, it would be a combination of all my experiences in life, but a lot of the podcast people I've interviewed because it's so invaluable. So everybody, but those two guys in particular. Okay. Who, so who's on your bucket list to have on your podcast? Well, I guess Tony Robbins, that'd be pretty cool. Uh -huh. I really haven't really gone after it because I'm so busy with my business and and I just saw him for like five days straight about a couple months ago. So I'm like, yeah, I'm really searching for the ultimate long shot story when it comes to that. that. I just started the Stein Time show, which uh, comedian wise, Billy Crystal would be interesting mm -hmm. and uh, Eddie Murphy. And uh, that would be amazing to have those guys as far as comedians. And as far as Bulletor, the Bulletor podcast was an outdoor podcast. I know uh, Bear Grylls would be interesting. So yeah. yeah, those are the people that I'd like to have for my three podcasts. Okay, so I was, I was going to ask, and maybe you just answered it, but as a comedian, who actually makes you laugh? 
Well, this guy right behind me, uh, well, no, this is a different billboard I got behind me. So I usually have a billboard up for Longshot Leaders. It's Don Rickles and my mother. So my mother really? looked like, yeah, my mother looked like Marilyn Monroe, but she had a personality of Don Rickles. Like she was very loving. So was Don, by the way. And, uh, but uh, it was just sad because I was at Don Rickles' house. I was friends with Larry Rickles briefly and I, <laughs> long time ago in the late eighties, and I never really appreciated them. But as a comedian, as you start to explore so many other comedians, you really, Don Rickles is just a wild animal. So he's probably one of my absolute favorites because of his riffing abilities. Yeah. But there's so many. Eddie Murphy to me is also special. He's just to me, Eddie Murphy to me is the whole package. Yeah. He, I don't think Eddie Murphy gets enough credit in the sense that, you know, you think about what he's done. You really think about the skill set and you look at the, those two big specials that he, Delirious and Raw in particular, characters, improvisation, premise punchline, impressions, just timing uh, off the charts. I, I really think that somebody should, when, if there's ever a college a course in comedy, when there probably is, Eddie Murphy should be right at the top of the list as far as yeah. examining his skill set. Love it. I, I think he's hysterical. All right. And because this is called your daily chocolate, what's your favorite chocolate? Macadamia, anything with macadamia nuts. I love chocolate with nuts. I'm a nutty guy. So <laughs> I would love, I love macadamia and white chocolate. If you oh, ever go to like, chocolate. if you're right. ever in Los Angeles, go to Dee Dee Reese's Cookies, little shout out for them and get the white chocolate macadamia nut cookies. They're so good. They're open 24 hours. It's a great place. I'm going to have to check that out. Michael, thank you so much for joining me today. I look forward to listening to your podcast, to directing people to all of your contacts and maybe one day owning one of those Bolotors. Yeah, we'll have to like send you out one as soon as we do the launch. <laughs> hey, Kickstarter campaign, March 5th, Bolator. Go to bolator.com. There's an email opt-in. You can get your email and just sign up for it. You're not going to want to miss on this. this is, I'm telling you, this is we've been planning this for two and a half years. Longer than that, but the product developments take two and a half years. And uh, go to bolator, B-O-L-O-T-O-R.com. And you're going to see something in about three weeks from now. That's, on March 5th, it's going to be revolutionary because... People's like, well, I don't really need that kind of backpack. I need this kind. Well, this plugs into Everything. we have five different kinds of backpacks, pleasant yeah. dudes. And so many other products too. It's gonna be off the charts. It's gonna blow the Stanley Cup out of the uh, well, we do have drinkware. Right? Yeah. yeah, we do have a chug cap drinkware that is just awesome. It's uh I know something's good when your 17-year-old daughter's like, I want those, and all her friends are like, Yeah, I want that. That's gonna be good. Oh yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll check it out. All right, cool. Thanks, Michael. February 20th is National Leadership Day. I hope this conversation with Michael Stein has prompted you to think about how you lead. And I love a couple of his points, and, and I hope you take this away with you to invest in yourself and to believe it's attainable. If you master those two things, the sky's the limit. As always, if you enjoyed this conversation, make sure you share it. Give us a comment. Give us a review. We'd love to hear from you. And make sure you come back next week. We'll talk again a little bit about a business strategy called time management, but it might help you in your personal life as well. And that will be with Andrew Hartman, who is the CEO and founder of a company called Time Boss. So until then, enjoy. Enjoy.